church. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but as um, Sister Chantel was singing those words and I was contemplating the verses, brought a tear to my eye a little bit. Because I believe each of us can resonate with the writer of the song when they say, when I am weak, you carry every burden. In you alone, I'm lifted up to heaven. In you alone, I soar on borrowed wings, suggesting that they're not my wings. And in you alone, I find all that I need. If y'all not going to say amen, I will. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Because over the time that I've been on this earth, I can find experiences where all of these words have been true. Whether it was in my growing up, in my present age, in whatever time in my life, at some point, those words were true. And from those experiences, I can say from an old song I used to hear growing up, I've learned how to lean and depend on Jesus. And so it's with those simple words I want to encourage you this morning because if you're like me and you have tried and tested God for yourself, you'll find that you can trust him at all times. If you will pray with me. My God and my Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Father God, as I stand before your people, I ask that you would hide me behind the cross. Let them not see me but Jesus, and let them not hear my words but your words. Let there be encouraged. Let there be strengthened. For it's your words that is spoken, not mine. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I chose these words at all times because it's about where do we put our trust? If we put our trust in man, we're going to be met with failure. But if we put our trust in God, we're going to be met with 
success. Now, some of us may be thinking, well, is that entirely true? Well, it is. And the thing that may cause you to question that is you may have a preconceived idea of what that success is when God has another idea. But ultimately, it is success because it is to God's glory, not your own. And so, that's why I say it is at all times. If you will follow with me out of our scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5th chapter, just want to direct your attention to these few words that Paul was given to the Thessalonian brethren. From a historical perspective, he had been on several journeys and he was on his second missionary journey when he when he started the cho- the church of Thessalonica and he had wanted to visit them again but circumstances didn't allow him to but he still found a way where he can encourage the brethren in the letter that he wrote and he was going to send that letter through Timothy Paul, having gone through some persecutions of his own, also heard of the persecutions that the church was going through, and so he wrote this letter with some encouragement in it. I'm not going to go through all of it, but the consistency of it is that from the Gospels that we have taught you, you should have your faith anchored in Christ. And no matter what you are going through, he will bring you through it. Just from my own experiences, the things that I've gone through has been for the furtherance of the gospel. And I can testify just from my own experiences that he is faithful. And so we come through these to these this chapter, chapter five. But I wanted to center it on these few verses that was read. Very short and profound words. And he was just pretty much preparing them for these last days. See that none render evil for evil. But even follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. 
abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body, meaning your entire self, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says this, faithful is he that have called you, who also will do it. I like what Paul said there. He said, faithful is he that have called you. It wasn't I that called you, according to Paul. It was God that called you. And if he called you, guess what? And, and we know the scripture very well. He that have begun a good work is able to finish it, right? Amen. But he said God is faithful to do it. To do what? To begin what he has called you for. But you know, there is a matter of, of trust here. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure we can all testify that at one point or another, we have trusted someone and they have broken our trust. And when they did, it took some time, if ever, to rebuild that trust. Am I right? Let's look at some of the definition of what trust is, okay? Reliance on the integrity, strength, ability, surety, etc. of a person or thing. Confidence. Integrity, strength, ability. Hmm. Confident expectation of something. Hope. Okay. What about a person on whom or thing one relies on? Like, my brother is a trust, my trust, you know? It's an example of that. And some of these may seem, you know, redundant, but they're different. To rely upon or place confidence in something or someone, usually followed by in or to. To trust in God, for example. To believe. To expect confidently. What about to do something without fear of consequences? Hmm. But, again, I may have given you these definitions, but still, what does trust look like? Because the thing about it is, over time, trust is built. Am I right? And usually, when that is built, you have come to develop a relationship with the person that you have trust in. For example, in the beginning of a relationship, 
if the young man asks the young lady, do you trust me? He shouldn't be surprised if she says no, because I don't know you like that. You know, we, we haven't developed any type of experience I can build upon to where I can trust you. Perhaps later on in the relationship, when we have gone through some things and they have these experiences, and he comes back later and says, do you trust me? And she says, yes. Again, trust was built over time. Trust was built by experience. Trust was built on the person's integrity, ability, dependability, etc. Right? Husbands and wives know it very well. When the husbands say, trust me, right? She trusts them because over time they have built that relationship where the husband has proven himself to be reliable, dependable, trustworthy, right? And remember what I said? When that trust is broken, how much it hurts, and how much you have to go back and build up that trust again? You follow where I'm going with this? But what is it about trust, though? Is it from what they said or what they have done? I would like to propose that it's from what they have done, right? Because if you, wives, for example, you give your husband a list to go to the grocery store, and you say, husband or honey, come back, you know, quickly with these particular items. The husband, from prior experiences, knows that if he doesn't bring back what's on the list, he must have a very good explanation of why. <laughs> now, what the wife does not know is because he doesn't want to hurt her, he may have gone through five different stores to get what was on the list. The important thing, though, to the wife is that you brought back what was on the list, right? So, again, over time and through experiences when she say do this do that and because you have proven yourself reliable trust is built well if we can do so with our husbands and our wives or even with our children to trust them with certain things how much so with God who have proven himself time and time and time again to be one that is reliable, dependable, trustworthy. And so when Paul says to rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, He was not saying those things with the hope that you would. 
but with the confidence that you will. Because trust, again, is not in a circumstance, but it's in a person. And that's Jesus Christ. Now you may be asking, in everything? Yes, in everything. I lost my job. Give thanks. I know those, it might be, it's hard to say that sometimes. Trust me, it is hard. Especially when you're in the middle of the situation. Because, trust me, sometimes when someone asks me, well, you know, what does the Bible say about this? Or how do you feel about that? Some, I go and I give experiences from my own and what God has done for me. And it's very easy for me to give that. But for the person going through it, unless they have experienced God taking them out of it, it's going to be hard. Okay? They'll be encouraged for a while. But until they come out, they will not have had that experience that says, God is able. Right? I mean, I'm just talking just from mere human experience. I'm, I'm facing a rare disease. Give thanks. Really? Yes. And the reason is, is because of what Paul says afterwards. For this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. It is the will of God in Christ concerning you. What is it about the will of God that, would, that you would say thank you in all situations? I know sometimes we, we talk about the permissive will as well as the perfect will. I propose to you that regardless of whether it's permissive or perfect, it is still the will of God. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And because he has the intent on saving you, for you to be with him, he will go to the ends of the earth in order to fulfill it. But it is up to you to let him. Because sometimes we get in our own way when we think we have a better plan and try to execute and follow through on that plan only to be met with trouble. And it's not the trouble that God intends. It's the trouble we brought on ourselves. Again, you can trust God in all things at all times. I'm reminded of another scripture out of James from the very first chapter when he said, James, a servant of God and 
of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, what? Patience? But let patience have a perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James says greeting, and he just jumps right in. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. How is it that that James can say these words? He uses the word temptations, and, and he's saying to be joyful when you're going through stuff. How many of us have tried to be joyful when we're going through something? Right? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard in the midst of it. But James say to count it joy. Because, again, it is not about the circumstance. It is about the God that is with you in the circumstance. I mean, ask yourself this. How does it look to someone you're witnessing to when you are sad all the time? And Christians are supposed to be what? Happy all the time. What kind of witness is that of the grace of God when we are sad every time someone comes up and says, how are you doing today? I'm not saying you got to lie to them. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this. If it is the expectation of Christians to always be joyful, notice I'm saying joyful, not happy. But to be joyful, isn't it a greater witness to an unbeliever that even though you're going through stuff, You've lost your house, you've lost your job, you've probably lost a child, but there's still joy within? I guarantee you, they want to know, either what are you on, who is your God? Because I, I want that God in my life. I believe that's a greater witness. And that's why James says this, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. He says this, because knowing this, this is something you know. This is from your experiences. He said that the trying of your faith works patience. What faith? The faith that you have in God from the very beginning. See, that's why you have joy. Because God has brought you through before. He'll do it again. He will do it again. And he says to let your faith work out patience. And, and patience is key here because, because sometimes our deliverance doesn't come right away. It doesn't. It doesn't come in a neatly wrapped package either. We have to go through some things. 
And the reason we got to go through it is because we got to prove the faith that we have is a genuine faith. It's not one that will be a roller coaster every time situation comes. But one that will stand the test. And it's as you go through those circumstances that your faith grows. But again, notice it's, it's patience. If you give up at the beginning, you, you can't expect the, the glory of the reward afterwards. The reward comes towards the end. When you're just about to give up, but you don't. How many examples do we have? Remember the children of Israel? When God brought them out of Egypt and he had let them, led them from, you know, through many, many, you know, um, you know, plagues. And finally, when they had left and they came to the Red Sea, they murmured forgetting all of those plays that God brought upon Egypt. And there was one more. Because now they were at the base of the sea. Pharaoh and his army was right there. And they were wondering, how are we going to get out of this one this time? You know, sometimes I have those moments. You know, it seems like it's a, it's a crisis-oriented thing. I, face my, I, face, I come across something where I think it's so much greater than what God is able to do. I forget that he had brought me through before. Doubt, discouragement, fear comes in. So much so that I forget to pray. I forget to read the word. I may even forget to pick up the phone and call someone to be encouraged. Right? Just my human nature taking over. But if I would hold on to what the word says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man, that he should repent. Or in other words, go back on his word. So when I find myself coming across against, you know, the, the rivers, the fires in my life. I remember, he says, I will be with you. If that is not enough, I remember the words of the psalmist. For though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I will what? Fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And again, it's from those experiences and situations that we can find God to be faithful all the time. I like those words in Isaiah. 
I believe it was 53. Or was it 54? Anyway, as I was reading those verses, when he said, when you pass through the water, it will not overcome you, and you go through the fire, it will not burn you, because I am with you. Do you realize those words were literally true for the children of Israel when they faced the Red Sea? It was literally true when the Hebrew boys faced the trial of the furnace. And sometimes we kind of use those experiences, those things in the scripture as a metaphor for our trials and temptations. Because it seems as if whatever we're going through is so overwhelming, it becomes like a flood. Right? It's so, it's so damning to our spirit, it becomes like fire. But I want to propose to you again that God is with you in it. Because we want to pray, God, take me out of it, take me out of it. But perhaps it's God to have you in it. For a singular purpose, and that is to glorify him. Not yourself, to glorify him. Because when someone asks you, how were you able to? You want to say, it's because of the God that I serve. Lastly, just want to share with you again these words. I said them before, but if we look at Numbers, I believe it's 23. Yeah, Numbers 23. And we're looking at verses 18 through 20. And the reason I'm going back on this is because I want to give the proper context to it. It's in the backdrop of, of Balak and Balaam. Balak asking Balaam, the prophet, you know, to curse the people of God. And it seemed that every time he came up to curse them, all he did was bless them. And so there was this one occasion where he gave this parable because they had just gathered, I think it was seven, seven bullocks and rams, and he sacrificed them. He told Balak to do the same. But I found it interesting. He said, wait here. Stand by the sacrifices, and I will go and talk to God. You're asking me, this prophet, to curse the people of God. 
But here I am, still a prophet. Let me consult with God first. Do you think God will give him the permission to curse his people? Okay. And so he came back, and this is what he said. I quoted it before. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. But that's where I stopped. But let me go further. It says this. Hath he said, and he shall not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. This should encourage your spirit because you have to understand you are espoused to God as his bride. He's your husband. He's going to do everything in his power to take care of you. And no matter what circumstances or situation you come across, he is going to be there for you. So here it is that the prophet is saying, you asking me to curse, but God has already blessed. And I, I can't change what God has done. I'm saying this to say this to you. God has already ordained a plan for your life. He will bring you to a certain end. And no matter what you go through, he's orchestrating that end. It doesn't matter if you have to go across ten countries. God's purpose is going to stand. I sincerely believe because of the will of God, you will not pass before your time until he has permitted. You'll not go through a trial that he will not permit. We have the example of Job. Even Satan had to get permission, you know, to test him. And even then, God tell him, do everything you want to do, but don't kill him. So whenever you find yourself going through something, I want you to think about the fact that whatever it is I'm going through, it is of no surprise to God and that he is with me in it no matter what it is. It reminds me of an illustration that I found in a in a sermon just in brief it's about a a young preacher named Campbell G Morgan he used to visit several elderly ladies to read the bible to them when he came to the end of Matthew's gospel he read lo i am with you always even unto the end of the age. He added this by saying, isn't this a wonderful promise? One of the ladies quickly, quickly replied, young man, 
That is not a promise. It is a fact. God says, I'm going to be with you always. It's a fact, brethren. Always. And at all times. Amen. I would like to you to listen to a words of a song. You probably have heard it before, but I pray it will encourage you. And sing along if you, if you know it. Amen. I know some of y'all were singing because I was singing with, with y'all. <laughs> it's true. The God on the mountain is still the God in the valley. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who shows up in the daytime shows up at night also. When, when you're by yourself and, and you're crying those tears and, and no one is there. Or when they say, are you okay? And, and you say, I'm, I'm okay. Right? That is why you can trust him at all times. Because he shows up all the time. I just want to ask and appeal to anyone here. If you have not tried God for yourself and proven him to be someone who shows up all the time, You can do so today. You can say, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to trust you. Prove you to be true. Perhaps you're someone that don't know God at all. But, but the words that I spoke today touched you. And you want to know him. If that is true of your situation, you can know him today. Just just meet me at the door and we'll pray. We can get your name and set you up for one of them to be part of the family of God. Because I'm not going to ask for you to come up because you might not want to, but that's okay. But God knows your heart. He wants to be your God because he knows your name and he has chosen you. Amen. With that, just want to say thank you and may God bless you. And remember the words that, that you heard today. The God on the mountain is still God in the valley.